everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HatchetBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com and Draft.com, where if you use that promo code HTB, which stands for Hashtag Basketball, you'll get a free entry to your first draft. I'm your host, Mike Katrin. And joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Michael, how was your festive holiday season? Did it. We made it to the end of the year. Christmas was very, very nice. New Year's is right around the corner, depending on when you are listening to this. So we made it through the first third of the fantasy basketball the in, and the NBA season. And it's been a really uh, – I've enjoyed the, the amount of basketball I've watched this year especially over the holiday season it was a very good time how about you tyler i don't know i caught some kind of crazy bug i think so i've been a little bit under the weather for about the last week and i feel like i'm finally just recovering now so other than that though it was good that's that's no good something is going around everybody it's like you know here's a little pro tip you can do google trends is still a thing like you can go see what's trending on google and if like cold and flu are trending like just stay indoors, wash your hands all day long, and don't talk to anybody. That's that's how I roll. That's, I never get sick. That's that's fair, I guess. Did you see that draft is slowly becoming part of Fanduel? No. Is this is this true? The sponsors have not were not inviting me to the meetings that they were having with Fanduel, but that is interesting. What what's the good word? So apparently, according to an email I just got today. They are merging the draft with FanDuel, and basically your account will now just be part of FanDuel. So, yeah, I can read you the email. It says, as 2019 comes to a close, we wanted to let you know there are some changes coming to draft in the new year. We are planning on building the best draft into FanDuel after the 2019 regular season. So you can continue playing your current draft contest until December 30th. And then it is after December 30th, there's no going to be no new contests on the draft platform. They will all be part of FanDuel. Oh, you're absolutely right. I just logged into my draft.com and you can merge your account with FanDuel and get a 10% bonus for sending your money over to FanDuel. So I already got money in FanDuel. I got money in draft. Now I'm going to send them. I'm going to get 10% bonus. I'm going to add some money on there before I merge my accounts. That way... I get an extra, I guess some extra bonus. How about that? That's a good way to scam the system, Tyler. Uh, sounds wise to me. We'll have to uh, renegotiate our deals with uh, Draft.com, which I've really enjoyed playing. This feels like a Draft.com advertisement at this point, which it's not because I actually just do play a lot of Draft.com and FanDuel for that matter. But enough about, enough about gambling, Tyler. Gambling will be legal here in Chicago come January 1st. I'm very excited about that. Along with legalized marijuana, Tyler, so I'm going to be really having a good time here coming in a few in a few days. I feel like you might be homeless soon. I I think I'm, every day I think I'm almost homeless. It's I dress like I'm homeless, sweatpants only this this holiday season. Are you are you part of the future homelessness of America? Like, this is uh, that's a great organization. I will not have you besmirch that organization. But let's talk about, I mean, this is the year. This is the end of the year. This one through the, the season. This is our Christmas slash New Year's special. I know we, we're going to do it for Christmas, but then we got busy with Christmas, and so did everybody else. So end of the year, 
slash holiday special. We're going to talk about the one third of the season that's already happened, what we thought about it, what we learned from it, and then also what to expect out of that that second third of the season, which is probably the most important third of the season. A lot of people think maybe the playoffs is more important. The playoffs, everything's kind of kind of set. You got to you know make sure you're doing everything correctly, right, and, and stay in your lane. But this this second third of the season coming up, this is when you you build your team, maneuver your team into playoff shape, into championship shape. Because this first third of the season is just, there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of figuring out and your sample sizes are small. So let's talk about that first third of the season, Tyler. And I think if there's one thing that, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if there's one thing that defined the first third of the season, it was injuries. And and that sounds like a bad thing, which it is, because nobody wants to see any other players injured and I don't want to see any of these players injured. But I almost think there was so many injuries in the first half of this season, or first third of this season, that everyone was affected. So there's, I don't think there's too many fantasy managers out there who weren't affected by injury in these in these first what you know ten eleven weeks. Oh, for sure. And you know we knew some of these going into the season, but you know, we lost a lot of the top talent because of injury this year, and that's not something that happens every year, but. It's been insane that, you know, some of those fantasy stalwarts that we talk about, you know, being top five, six, seven, eight picks have not played a game or, you know, in some of the cases like Steph Curry have played what, like four games this season. So yeah, that injuries have definitely been a huge talking point. Yeah, absolutely. Clay, KD, Nurkic, Paul George. We knew those guys were out going into the season. Let's, and also let's throw in those two suspensions, Johnny Collins and DeAndre Ayton huge 20-some game suspensions right to start off the season on top of those other injuries. At least you drafted KD, Clay, Nurkic with the knowledge that they're not going to be playing either for a while or for the entire season. But JC and Aiden, you probably spent a second-round pick on, followed by Steph and Zion, also top picks. They got injured right off the back as well. And then you've had these other weird nagging injuries with Car Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, Pascal Siakam, and, and Mike Connolly. And, and then even like some kind of like bit players who've been Davis Bertrands has been injured. Daniela Gallinari, not a surprise that he's injured. Thomas Bryant. Eric Bledsoe's been out for a while. So ev- literally everybody's been uh, injured this season, it seems. Weirdly, I've enjoyed the basketball this season more than ever but i guess injury wise what would you say in the first season what was the worst injury what was probably the most effectively worst injury of the the first third of the season oh i i mean for me it's got to be steph curry right because he was a top five pick and anytime you lose a top five pick right your team's going to be in a little bit of trouble so i, I mean i'd have to go there i mean you probably you might even took a taken uh steph curry number one overall I took him, I think, number at number two or number three in a league, and it's been brutal. It's absolutely been almost probably impossible to uh, come back from. You know, with George, he eventually came back. Siakam is going to come back. Kyrie Irving's been really weird, and that's probably been very, very detrimental to you here in the last few weeks. But, like, losing Steph Curry for most of the season – I mean, the, I think the only other nominee here is is uh, Zion, 
where you might have spent like a second round pick on Zion and like built your team around Zion as well. Like maybe built your team around that type of play. That's probably put a big hindrance in your uh, in your style as well. But I, I think it's going to be hard to argue with Steph Curry. Yeah, and I mean, like with Zion, like you you knew you were taking some sort of gamble there. And I think I tried to tell people that at the beginning of the season, like you know, Zion was hurt last year at Duke. He was hurt his senior year in high school. Like there was some risk there that that not a lot of people were baking in, which kind of bothered me a little bit. We there were concerns about. Just even in the preseason, there were concerns. So you could have at least sort of saw that coming. Coming? Would you say like you know John Collins or Aiden? I mean they're they're back now. So well, eh, almost Aiden's almost back. I guess he's not completely back. But yeah, I, I don't think you could argue unless you're in a dynasty league, maybe, and you have like Kevin Durant. Then other than Steph, I think he's the worst. He's the worst injury, and that's probably can't come back from that. But I think everybody else you're going to eventually be able to stay afloat because everyone else in your league has probably had an injury as well. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen, you know, players from all over the spectrum get injured. And, you know, I, I look at some of the teams in some of my leagues and it's like, you know, they've been dropping good players because they just don't have any IR spots left. And it's been, it's been wild for sure. But the injuries just piling up and up and up and up. And also it's a good time to exploit people with injuries, especially if they're still lingering. Kyrie Irving to me, with the news, whether they're rumors or not, that the injury is not just physical but potentially mental. I I wouldn't like listen, if he's got mental health issues and if you have mental health issues, please like talk to someone, do something. You know, people are there for you, people care about you. I'm not even I'm talking to the, our listeners, and I think Kyrie Irving might be one of the listeners, so hopefully I got through to him. But if you think those are just rumors, which I think they are. But they might not be, you know, that type of problem can affect literally anyone. You could maybe try to to trade for Kyrie Irving by low, by low on him if he's going to go past his return date, which is here just the next week. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one that I'm a little skeptical about. It's kind of the same way with the Zion thing. Like, there just seems to be a lot of extra in there, and I'm not even sure what that extra is, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm a little scared of, of trying to acquire Kyrie reunion at discounted rate. I'm a little more scared of Zion because, like, he's got a whole career ahead of him, but, like, Kyrie feels like, you know, they need him. Uh, that's enough about injuries because I think if you're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with them every single day, Tyler. You're just staring at your team, wondering when Kyrie's going to come back, wondering, wondering when Carl Anthony Towns is going to come back. So let's let's talk about like the most surprising thing because the first third of the season there's a lot of volatility, so you you really don't know who's going to emerge. You got your we always say everybody kind of reverts the mean, so you have your obvious people. I thought you know like people thought Bam Adebayo and Jonathan Isaac would break out this season, and they are. That was surprising, but it was also kind of predicted. Like it was like, well maybe they're both playing way better than I thought they would, especially Jonathan Isaac at this early stage. And that's a bit surprising, but they were pegged as someone maybe to target as a potential breakout player. So let's throw them aside. And I'm going to ask you, who do you think, uh, give me two players, maybe even three, if you're feeling, if you're feeling up to it, Tyler, like what were the most surprising players in the first third of the season? Oh, I mean, I think you, you can just look at the top 20 in the, in the rankings at hashtag basketball.com and see what are quite possibly the two most surprising players to me. And that's, you know, Hassan Whiteside at 16 and Brandon Ingram at 18. Like I did not predict either player to be a top 20 player for certain. Those are both great 
great choices. I think, you know, a lot of people took a risk on Hassan Whiteside late in the draft, and they are greatly, greatly benefiting from that. I even think Brandon Ingram, like Hassan Whiteside has been someone who could get three blocks a game in the past. He has been in the top 25 before. Brandon Ingram's never done any of the things that he's currently doing. And like some of that, you have to wonder if it is due to, if it's due to the fact that Zion's out and they just need someone, or if he is taking a leap or a little bit of both. And I think for fantasy too, we've seen him, you know, actually get some steals and blocks, which is something he needed to do. And he's a positive in almost every category, which is just insane. Like that's not something I saw coming and he's still a really young guy. And, yeah, I definitely think he's getting more shot attempts with Zion out, but at the same time, he's making the most of those attempts, which he maybe hasn't done in the past. Like a couple of years with the Lakers there, he got lots of shot attempts. He just didn't really make many. That's very true. Like he he's getting four more shot attempts a game compared to his 34 minutes with the Lakers just last season, but his numbers are completely up. 25 points over 18. Two, three. I think that's like the ins- most insane thing to me. He's like over two threes a game when he was making less than one a game. Like how does how does a leap like that even happen? I, 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 I can't even comprehend how he could just be that much better of a shooter from from behind the arc than he's ever been. And he's currently, you know, he's in like you said, he's in the top 20. And I never, ever, ever would have put that. So it's going it's to be kind of hard to beat. Brandon Ingram as the most surprising player. I do have two guys, though, that I will... Um, actually, I think I have three, Tyler. I'm going to break my own rules and give you three. Fred Van Fleet. He had a nice little breakout, I guess, run in the playoffs last season, so he was a name that people knew, but also he was someone who was being drafted very late in drafts. As someone who's like, oh, I don't know, maybe he'll play some more minutes, maybe he'll be that good. I don't think people thought he could be you know, a top 50 player, and he's better than a top 50 player. Yeah, so good old Fred Van Vliet, man. Where, I mean, we knew he was going to get some more shot attempts, right? And we knew someone on that team had to step up and score a little bit. Obviously, they lost Kawhi Leonard, they lost Danny Green. But yeah, Fred Van Vliet's been very surprising in the sense that he's getting you 18 points a game and almost seven assists. Like, Fred Van Vliet's definitely taking a huge step forward. And that one feels more real, maybe, than some of the other ones, too. Like, would it surprise you at all if Hassan Whiteside like went back to being just barely a top 50 player or maybe even a little outside of top 50 and Brandon Ingram kind of fell to that level? Like It wouldn't surprise me on either one of those players if they dropped back, but Fred Van Vliet feels a little bit more real, I think. It just feels like kind of um, an evolution in his game. He's coming into his prime, uh, kind of a player who's learning how to play within himself, but also... He's benefited from a, a, a plethora of, of injuries on this Toronto Raptors team. So, like, the opportunity is there, but with that opportunity with, to have, like, an incredibly high usage be there without all these injuries. So, like, maybe there's a little bit of a caveat there. Well, I don't know. I feel like there is that opportunity just because, you know, that team needs ball handlers and it needs scoring. And, you know, who else is going to do it? Like, even when they're fully healthy, like, it's Siakam, it's Kyle Lowry, and it's Fred Van Fleet, I feel like. True. He's he's definitely part of their rotation, and he's definitely part of their crunch time lineup. So even though he's gotten this opportunity with a a multitude of injuries there, with a fully healthy team, he's still going to be on the floor. He's still going to be playing good minutes. 
So I don't think his value decreases in the second third of the season at all. One other guy who got a big bump due to an injury was Rashawn Holmes. Came in, Bagley was out, started playing like a monster. But we've always kind of knew, at least the fantasy heads out there, knew his per 36 minutes were absolute monster fantasy numbers. I don't think the per 36 even did his, his production justice. Sometimes when you go, when you look at that per 36 number, and a guy goes from a second team at like 17 minutes to a starting role, it doesn't translate. He's either worse against first teams or, you know, he can't stay on the floor. Rashawn Holmes is top 25 player in 30 minutes. Monster, monster field goal percentage. Very good rebounds, very good blocks, doesn't turn the ball over. Now, granted, this is in a nine-cat situation, but still, Holmes has proven that he is a not just a standardly relevant player, but a full-time top 50 player, and he's now playing with Bagley back. They're like, wow, this guy is great. Well, I can't believe you didn't notice. And now he's playing. We talked about buying high on him. That you know, When Bagley comes back, people think he's gonna, his usage is going to decrease. And honestly, his usage hasn't really decreased very much at all, and he's still playing good minutes. And I think, you know, we've seen glimpses of him, you know, playing well with the Sixers, and he's playing better than anyone expected for sure. And we talked about this before. Like, they gave Dwayne Dedman that big contract, you know, three years, whatever the number was. And now Dedman's, like, completely out of the rotation, and and that's a testament to Holmes and how good he's been because Dwayne Dedman's still a really good player. Yeah, and Dwayne Dedman wants out of Sacramento now just because he was like, you brought me in here, you paid me a bunch of money to sit around on the bench? What's going on? Yeah, and then, I mean, it's just one of those situations where, you know, we have, you know, they have two really good guys and they have three really good guys and they just don't have enough minutes for all of them. Yeah, Dwayne Dedman definitely been maybe the most surprising player, right? Like, Ingram was picked in leagues. You know, all the guys we've talked about so far were, were drafted. Sean Holmes, I mean, was was he drafted in a 20-team league? Probably not. I mean, most people thought he was going to be out of the rotation with Dwayne Dedman in, in there. Probably, probably not. Another guy who probably wasn't drafted in any standard league, Devontae Graham, 20, 24 years old, hanging around in that top 50, scoring a ton, hitting almost four three-pointers a game, and almost getting, like, he's got seven and a half, almost eight assists a game for the season. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. You never would have thought, especially when Charlotte brought in Terry Rozier, that basically Devonte Graham was going to be their best guard and is, it was going to run the offense. Granted, his field goal percentage is below 40, which is usually unrosterable in, in, in Roto Leagues. But actually, I think it's kind of hard not to roster him in, in Roto Leagues simply because, I mean, he shoots the ball a ton, kills your field goal percentage. But the assists and threes and points uh, keep him off of the waiver wire, even in a roto league. And if you're in a head-to-head league, he's been money for you because he was definitely on your waiver to start the season. Yeah, we see this every year, right? Like last year's guy was Pascal Siakam, and Devontae Graham has pretty much been that guy this year. That It, it all feels real, right? Like he's going to keep getting the shot attempts. He's going to keep getting the opportunity. He's going to keep hitting the three. He's going to keep scoring, going to keep assisting. Yeah, Devontae Graham, definitely one of the biggest surprises. We're going to talk about undrafted players, Holmes and uh, Devontae Graham. I'm going to eliminate Graham because Holmes is just the more surprising player. Fred Van Fleet, Whiteside, and Ingram were all drafted. I feel like Ingram and Fred Van Fleet are on the bottom half of that. We also have seen Whiteside be a top 25 player. So I think this is coming down to Ingram, 
Holmes, and Fred Van Fleet. Who are you going to vote for, Tyler? The most surprising? Most surprising player in the first third of the season. Yeah, if you were to tell him, say, like, what was the most surprising thing that's happened so far, I would say it was Rashawn Holmes. Ooh, I think we have a split vote here, because I'm going to go with Brandon Ingram. One, because I hate Brandon Ingram. I always have. And now I can't really hate him, because he's really, really good. He's incredibly good. Rashawn Holmes feels at least like my per 36 cents, six cents per 36 cents. Ooh, that's pretty good. I'm copywriting that. Don't steal that Tyler. My per 36 cents, at least let me know that he could be a good player. Rashawn Holmes. I never thought Brandon Ingram could be good. I just never thought he had it in him and he's a monster. Got a split decision. So we talked about the most surprising player in the first third of this fantasy basketball season. So we're going to have to bring it down. Talk about the most disappointing player, Tyler, who I guess, who are your like top two, top three players that you would consider incredibly disappointing? Oh, unfortunately there's a lot of choices here. I feel like, and that's, that's crappy. Cause no, you know, no one, no one wants to own the disappointing player of the year, but I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of nominees for this one. Mike Conley, obviously, he's been bad, and now he's hurt, and then he came back, and now he's hurt again. Obviously, that one is frustrating for sure. Aaron Gordon, who's like outside the top 150 for the season, that's that one's been pretty bad. And then we, we've seen some other guys, you know, we've seen plenty of other guys that you could nominate for this list, but I would say those are probably my top two. Those are two pretty good ones, Tyler. Connolly, definitely someone we both targeted a lot in the fourth round, hanging around one of your last good guards left in a draft. And I think we both thought he was going to have a little bit of a, a turnaround season. He was going to be motivated on a team, but I think we got to reevaluate like the system that Utah plays really isn't, it's kind of a little bit detrimental to these. I need the ball in my hand guards. Ricky Rubio did not thrive there. Mike Connolly has been injured, but also when he was playing, couldn't, shoot the ball and also didn't look like he was very comfortable in that system either. I don't, there's not enough sample size to make me think that Mike Connolly, like I would still have Mike Connolly at the bottom of my roster still at this point, because I, 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 I think maybe in the second third of the season, he eventually gets healthy enough to play and he could have himself a Mike Connolly esque stretch. But like, that's a big hit. If Mike Connolly was like your second starting guard that you got out of the draft even worse if he was your best starting guard get, get coming out of the draft. And then you've just shit away the whole season with him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, then there's a lot of, there's actually been a lot of kind of disappointing guards. Like I don't know if some people were really high on Lonzo ball and he's been bad. I mean, he's right there in that. He's ranked 146th in hashtag basketball's rankings. Aaron Gordon, 152. Mike Conley, 160. looking at per game, eight category rankings. So all three of those guys have been super disappointing. I'll I'll jump on the Aaron Gordon dog pile as well, but it, you know that's someone we've said he needs. This is a make or break season. Last year was like a make or break season for him as well, and he broke. And then this season he's even worse. So Aaron Gordon disappointing, but at least he kind of saw him being disappointing. I think a couple other players that need to be mentioned here are Julius Randle. He's someone I think a lot of people were banking on to be amazing in New York and be like definitely the guy who ends up playing the most minutes there, even though New York is a mess and that he would have like almost kind of like a a boosted 
breakout season here from kind of kind of like the old days when he was playing with like uh, with the Pelicans and it's really been anything but for him. He's been pretty pretty mediocre. I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah, I I think if you were banking on Randall, like granted you're taking him in the second half of your draft, I assume, or at least after the top five, six rounds, you're still not getting the value that you drafted for him. So that's been probably a big hurt. The other two guys are, of course, Chicago well, Bulls. Well, I got, I got something I like to say about the Randall thing, and I think this is why this is, goes back to a point that I think we've made multiple times on this show, but I think it's worth mentioning. Like, I hate leagues that veto trades, and here's exactly why I hate them. Okay. Now, if, if there's some collusion or some shenanigans, whatever, but like somebody really believes in a player and they're making a trade in good faith, you should let them do it. Here's why. Julius Randle's the 126th ranked player on the season. Now, Mike, you'll agree with me that he was probably a top, what, 60, 70 pick in every single league? I'd have to say so. Okay. Here are the players ranked just ahead of him. Okay. So this is from 118. To, to Randall at 126. Tristan Thompson, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Aaron Baines, Josh Hart, DeLon Wright, George Hill, DeAndre Jordan, Mark Gasol. So people would have laughed, right, trading Julius Randall for Tristan Thompson at the beginning of the season. But Tristan Thompson is actually eight spots ahead of Julius Randall right now. So that, in a nutshell, goes to show you none of us know what the hell we're talking about at the beginning of the season. And if someone wants to make a trade in your league, I think you should let them because they might, they might turn out to be right. Even if the trade looks terrible, they might turn out to be right. Yeah. No one should be video videoing trade, especially in the first weeks of the season, especially in the first third. If you were like, damn, I'm, I'm a big New York fan. I'm watching all the games. I watched the first four games. Julius Randle looks like trash. They're not playing him. I hate the coach. Screw it. I'm willing to just move him for whatever, because I, I, I think I can get good value for him, but it, maybe no one want, no one else wanted him. You tried to move him, and then you're like, I'll take anything I can get. I think this guy sucks. And you look at what Tristan Thompson's doing to start the season. He's like, okay, this guy gets me the things I want, points and rebounds. It's good enough for me. I don't give a shit. That's, a, that's not that bad of a trade. Just because you don't like a trade doesn't mean you should veto a trade. Like anyone who does that's in a shit league with a shit GM or, you know, if you're that GM, you're shit too. So we're calling you shit. And I don't even feel bad about saying that. Do not veto trades because just because you don't like them. But my other uh, nominee is Tyler for, ooh, I mean, Aaron Baines might be a most surprising player, but he he's come and gone as well. But most disappointing players are both Chicago Bulls, of course. Larry Markkinen, top 50 player. Now has come on in the last, you know, handful of weeks. So I still have hope for Larry Markkinen, the second, third of this season but really Larry Markin has been almost borderline unrosterable if not straight up unrosterable for most of the season it's been really really disappointing with him and then Otto Porter another injury kind of like Mike Connolly uh, Otto Porter you probably took in the top 50 as well especially if you're in a roto league like I'm in a lot of roto leagues and he just hasn't even fucking played and he's hurt and he's going to be hurt probably for the rest of the season it's it's absolute misery. And Otto Porter is like a really, really important piece to most Roto teams, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like we, we talk about that a lot. And it's always hard for me to say the most disappointing person is someone who got injured just because, like, no one wanted to get injured. 
But yeah, I'm with you on both those players being disappointing and in all the reasons you mentioned. So let's we could have a most disappointing injury league, and I'll go with Connolly number one on that. I don't I don't think you're going to disagree. I mean, yeah, he's been. He's been bad. He hasn't even been like like some of those other players we mentioned are are standard league roster in a twelve team league. Like still, even though they're not producing numbers you expected, like they should by their rankings, right? They're 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 players that should have been owned the whole time in a standard twelve team league. Mike Conley is not. Mike Conley is literally you were better off owning somebody else than you were owning Mike Conley so far in a standard twelve team league. Literally anybody who got drafted. Yep. So, so yeah, I would say he's definitely been the most disappointing. It has to be. Non-injury category, most disappointing. I'm going to go with Larry Markkinen because it coincides with my depression for the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to still go with Aaron Gordon because I feel like everyone got a little hyped on him. And obviously I didn't, but everyone still gets hyped on him because he's young and he's flashy. And then he's also been another guy who should not have been rostered in a 12-team league thus far. I, I completely agree. Any any best moves that you made in the first third of the season before we move on to what we should expect in the second third of the season? Like some, maybe it was a great trade or a great pickup that you made? Oh, so I feel like I picked up Kendrick Nunn and rode that hot hand for a while in a couple of my leagues. And he is just barely outside the top 100 right now still for the season. So I feel like that was a good shrewd little move. I still think my best move was drafting Dennis Schroeder late in a lot of leagues. Um, he's the 86th ranked player so far this season in hashtag basketball's rankings. And I feel like nobody wanted him, so I feel like that was probably still my best my best move of the year. That's uh, You were on Dennis Schroeder all year. That's a very good pick. And he's been obviously very, very good. I'm, I'm still going to go with the fact that I touted, touted Kelly Oubre for the entire preseason, that he was going to be a very good player. And he is. He is a very good player. He's, you know, hanging around that 55, 54 mark. And uh, he's been playing really, playing really well. I think that was like kind of a good, at least a good eye. And then I did get Devontae Graham, like uh, picked him up immediately. Him and OG Ananobi have probably been my, my, my good pickups. But then OG Ananobi's kind of fallen off a little bit. But I, I still think he's going to have a pretty decent second, third of the season let's talk about that second third of the season tyler what like i guess what do you expect from that second third of the season it's kind of when teams start to mature they get the rotations down there's less volatility but then we either have the haves and the have-nots the have-nots start playing the rookies more and guys who are playing less minutes kind of sitting on the bench they become standardly relevant players and then on the flip side of that the teams who might be contending for a playoff spot, they make trades. So do you want to talk about the rookie, the, the, you know, the, the, has, the haves or the haves-nots first, Tyler? Always the have-nots, I think. Okay. We're, we are two have-nots here on the Watching the Boxes podcast, so let's talk about some of these have-nots. There's a lot of teams that pretty much we know they're not going to be making the playoffs. Atlanta, Memphis probably probably phoenix let's just go with phoenix i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the wizards out throwing them out but i think the most interesting team here is is the grizzlies because they do have a lot of young talent triple j coming on real strong here in the last handful of weeks so if you drafted him that's really nice i think 
Memphis is the team to watch here. And there's two guys on this team that I'm particularly interested in watching. Brandon Clark, who's already shown signs of life being a standard league relevant player, even in limited minutes. And DeAnthony Melton, who has been very, very good in like short, short minutes, getting decent assists in, you know, elite steals for a guy who's playing like 18 minutes a game. Yeah, we've seen Melton be pretty good for the Suns before. Like Melton's just a, a skilled defensive player and he can't really shoot, but he's just a guy who can produce a lot of defensive stats, which we talk about that a lot in fantasy, right? Like you can be be very good in that. I'll agree with you. Memphis is a really interesting team. I think the Cavs are another really interesting team. They've already made a trade, right? They've already traded away Jordan Clarkson to the Jazz. I feel like they're going to blow it up. They're going to try to find a taker for Kevin Love. You know, they're going to you know, play their young guys more. We're going to figure out, you know, who who is Kevin Porter Jr.? You know, is that a real thing? Darius Garland's going to start playing a ton of minutes, I think, and be a, a pretty good points and three-pointers option. We talk about him maybe already being an elite three-point shooter. The problem with their team is they have two guards already that are young and they think can start, but neither one of them can play make. So it'll be interesting to see know where that team goes in the future obviously i think their best thing would be con sexton being like a sixth man and them getting an actual point guard the Cavs are a really depressing team there are have nots who are also probably in the market for trade i guess most trades happen between have and have nots kevin love a prime suspect to move you know there's the uh, i think zach Lowe pointing out the the best three second call of all time with with Kevin Love, he doesn't want to be there. And that means, like, you know, depending on what they get back, Larry Nance Jr. could play more minutes. Tristan Thompson could get more rebounds and be even more important. Oh, they could. Tristan Thompson's team. contract's going to expire at the end of the year, so they could trade him too and leave a nice big hole for Larry Nance to play, you know, 32 minutes a game. And if he's playing 32 minutes a game, that could be somebody who becomes real, real interesting real, real quick. Absolutely. You're, you're right that like Darius Garland, Sidney Osman, uh, Colin Sexton, all these guys are just kind of like, they're super damn mediocre. So like there could be room here, like whoever gets traded to the Cavs, that player might end up being a 30 minute a game, like standard league level player. And they might become from a situation where they weren't, you know, they weren't even sniffing 30 minutes. And as you're saying, like the lead I want to make sure my my view is right here. It's full season. I got every game per game value. Kevin Love and Darius Garland are tied for most assists a game on the Cleveland Cavaliers at 2.9 assists a game. That has got to be a record for worst assists per game on a team. Yeah, and they just traded for Dante Exum, right, from the Jazz. And not that Dante Exum's good, but like Dante Exum's probably their best playmaker right now. As crazy as that seems, like – they have nothing. They can't move the ball. It's, it's it's just shocking. It's absolutely, absolutely shocking. So the Cavs, I'm definitely going to be watching them a lot. There's, of course, the nonsense. I think they're nonsense trade rumors, but the Knicks are looking to get Car Anthony Towns. I don't, I don't think there's enough assets in the world to get Car Anthony Towns on the Knicks at all. Like, I just don't think that's how that works. Car Anthony Towns under a long-term contract. Uh, but the Knicks are, in, I think, in the market to be trading. But the Knicks are so volatile. Once again, like we, their coach is Fizdale. Is he still on? The, is he? Did he get fired yet? Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, that's he what did. I thought. But it hasn't gotten better there. Is he still shadow? Is he shadow running the team, Tyler? Where he's? I know he's involved in this somehow because he's that team has still not figured itself out. But here's the crazy part about that team for me is like 
you know, they keep saying, oh, you know, we're interested in this player, that player. Well, yeah, of course you are. You don't have anybody. Like, you should be interested in Carl Anthony Towns. Every team's interested in Carl Anthony Towns. Like, what what moves can the Knicks really make? Like, they might be able to trade Randall and get a first-round pick. They might be able to trade Marcus Morris who's having a really good season get a first-round pick. But, like, they, they're not they're not getting anybody of value back. And Nobody wants R.J. Barrett. I'm sorry. He doesn't look great. And nobody wants Bobby Portis. He might uh, punch one of your players and put him in the hospital. Do you think that's what made Meritich go back to Europe? Bobby Portis punch uh, him in the face? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know what? I would. I think if I was from, if I had been living in Spain, like I visited Spain once, and it was incredible, and the food was incredible, and I think if I lived in Spain or I was from Spain, I, I think Nico is from not Spain, but he's played in Spain long enough to kind of consider. He's on the Spanish national team, bro. See, I thought he was uh, Eastern European. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, well, he's Spanish or from Spain. We'll have to look this up. He's actually uh, from Montenegro, but he plays that's what for I thought. the – He plays for the Spanish national team. I'm almost positive. Yeah, he does. He must have dual citizenship. But my, yeah, Miritich is definitely not a Spanish last name. But here, if you've been in Spain for more than two weeks, you don't want to be anywhere else other than Spain. So I'm actually going to chalk it to the fact that like, if I had to choose between like mediocre city in America, or even maybe major city in America and like Barcelona, I'm taking Barcelona every time. Okay. Fair. Fair. I think that's the real reason that and uh, Bobby Portis is threatened uh, is like nighttime threats. Just calling him up at two in the morning. I'm going to knock your ass out. That's happened to me eight times. Yeah. Bobby Portis calls me all the time. But he's really, really quite nice to me. It's very strange. I don't know if we're going to get much out of the Knicks, but I'm, I'm watching the Knicks. Someone's, someone's got to, you know, break out there, right? But you were talking about the Pelicans being kind of like they have so many assets and they just, like, they're not competing. They don't have Zion. There's, they don't know what they're going to do. They have some really, like, they have favors and Holiday. They have JJ Redick, right? Like, they got, they got a lot. They got a lot of pieces they could move, right? And they got uh, a lot of reasons to go in, in both directions, right? Like if they're really going to try to keep Drew Holiday long-term, they're going to have to try to compete. Because, you know, nobody, no veteran player like Drew Holiday wants to play for a team that's in the lottery every year. So it could go that way. But then they could also blow it up and just be like, well, listen, we got Zion, we got Brandon Ingram. You know, those are two good young pieces. We got a lot of draft picks already. We trade away some of these guys, get some draft picks, get some other good young players, you know, boom, in three or four or five years, we're building something special. So they're kind of maybe the the hub of the trade market in that sense, because, you know, they're going to be the deciding factor if, you know, someone big like Drew Holiday gets traded or, you know, do they trade favors? Do they trade Reddick? You know, which way do they want to go? And that, that also could impact the whole Zion thing, right? Like if they decide to blow it up, trade Holiday, trade favors, Trade JJ Redick. Do they even bring Zion back this year? Like, what what do they have to gain from that? If if they're really, you know, that we, I'm sure everyone's seen that report that they're basically trying to teach him how to walk and run differently. That seems like a long term project. Like, I don't think you teach somebody how to some 20 year old that's walked for 17 years how to walk differently overnight. So yeah, that could be that. Could, that's maybe. They're maybe the team with the most fantasy storylines going into the second third of the season just because they're the team that maybe could change the most or maybe won't change at all. 
I think we're going to see a lot. I think we're actually going to see a lot of trades because I think there's a lot of teams out there who think they are contending for a championship or think they are in the running for a playoff for a, probably an owner who wants to desperately get into the playoffs so he can make his money back and throw another season down the drain, Jerry Reinsdorf. But I'm going to play a new game instead of worrying about that, Tyler. This game is called How Certain Are You That They Will Be Drafted? 2019-20 New Year's Eve Christmas Holiday Special Edition. That's the name of the game, Tyler. Sounds good. So I've had to hire someone to come up with that name, so I need some money from you after the show. But the rules of this game are I'm going to throw out a name, and you're going to give me the chances that they could be traded before the deadline. And we're going to start with Kevin Love. Oh, like the odds? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, it's the odds. 60 that he goes. I give it like 90%. 90% chance he's out. Okay, that's fair. Holiday. 40% that he goes. I think they're going to try to get Zion back, see what they got there. Ooh, that's that's pretty good one. I'm going to go with 50. I think it's kind of a toss-up. Car Anthony Towns. Negative two. I go with negative three because this is Price is Right rules. All right, here's some ones we haven't talked about. Gary Harris. Ooh. So really who I think they're going to trade is... Uh, Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez just because they're going to be restricted free agents and they don't want to pay him because they'll be way into the tax if they do. So I think Gary Harris is fairly safe. I'll go 12%. I'm going to go with like 25. I think in one and four, LaMarcus Aldridge. Ooh, ooh, now that's interesting. Spurs are going to try to go for it, though, I think. I'll go 15%. Man, I think like the writing's on the wall. Is Pop so stubborn that he won't? Read the writing on the wall? I don't think so. So I'm going to go with like 40%. Because they might do DeMar DeRozan. I don't know. All right, last one. Last one I got anyway. If you got one, throw it out there. Andre Drummond. Ooh, Andre Drummond. Now, the Pistons. They're another team that loves to do the, the Bulls thing and try to try to sneak in there in the eighth spot. I'd be tired of that. 35% on Drummond. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to go like 60%. I think Detroit... I, with Blake's injury, I think they're just kind of ready to blow it up. Well, I mean, they're three, they're three and seven in their last ten. They're not good. Even if they sneak in there in eighth, the Bucks are gonna womp them. So, I mean, what's the point? I mean, yeah, okay, you make a couple playoff blocks. I get that, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me for them to keep going and going and going. And and Drummond's got the shot to leave right in free agency. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Drummond. I just I don't think they will. I think they're I think they're kind of tired of being that in that mediocre in that mediocre range but like Denver Den, Denver Denver and Denver I must be uh, I must be not sleeping very well. Detroit, Denver, the Spurs, the Cavs, the Pelicans. Those are the teams I'm I think we're all kind of really eyeing. Maybe even the Heat, maybe even the Heat as teams that might be involved in a trade coming in the second, third of the season. And we're going to be uh, providing you with quick hits on those trades. If you subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash watching the boxes, if there's an injury, if there is a trade, we will give you our quick hit analysis in order for you to make moves in your league before everybody else. This is only exclusive to Patreon subscribers. So go check us out, help support the show, patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Tyler, you got anything else that you want to, you know, predict for this the second third of the season? You know, some of our predictions have come true. Some of them are way, way, way off for the season so far. We're at, for our uh, hot takes. 
Do you have any like two thirds of the seasons, like maybe a player to watch or maybe even a hot take? Yeah, I think Darius Garland's going to be a lot better in the second third of the season. I just think, you know, the Cavs are going to give him more responsibility and he's going to take advantage and shoot more. So there's one. I think Robert Covington's going to be a lot better. I think the Wolves are going to play him a little bit more. I think Minnesota's going to try to to compete and sneak into that race for the next, you know, couple months until the trade deadline and then maybe they blow it up and trade Covington if they're they're still out of it. So there's another guy that I'm I'm kind of looking at to to play a little bit better. I'm watching the Bulls, right? I feel like a lot of their guys have been disappointed this year like you mentioned. I think they have to be better, my marketing included. So I'm watching that. I'm watching what the Knicks are doing because, like, what are they doing? Why is Mitchell Robinson not playing? Why is Kevin Knox not playing? Why are we still playing, you know, guys that that aren't part of the future a ton? Like, they've got to do something there. They've got to trade Morris. They've got to trade Randall. Or they've got to at least just start playing those younger guys more. So those are some kind of things I'm watching for sure. I like that. Those are all very, very good. I think the Bulls will uh, eventually figure out a uh, a point guard that they want to kind of lean on. Weirdly, they've all kind of like had their time being worthwhile. Done, obviously, a steals like going after steals left and right. Sadoransky, kind of all around decent. Hopefully, one of those guys gets more minutes moving forward. I think I'm, I'm going to be looking at some of these young guys who might get a chance. De'Anthony Melton, I already talked about. You were talking about Dante DiVincenzo, perhaps. He's been playing very well right now with Bledsoe out. Bledsoe should be back soon. I would like to see more DeLon Wright in my life. Like I, I think that guy's got a, a very good fantasy game, so I, I'm kind of hoping he is able to get more minutes, stay on the floor more. I want the Pelicans to... I want Zion to come back is what I really want so I can watch feel decent watching the Pelicans since they got thrown on TV way too much and Zion's been out. Still pulling for my man OG and Anobi. Still going to be pulling for the Chicago Bulls to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm excited. This is the time of the season where not only are the NBA teams making trades, but you should be making trades as well. We might do like a trade show. If you guys hit us up on Twitter, send us some of your trade ideas. Send us a, what we're doing. Maybe we'll make it a segment. Maybe we'll do an entire show mailbag about it. This is the time to really evaluate all the other teams in your league, evaluate your team, and figure out your pathway to the playoffs. So we are here to help you out. If you want a direct line to us, like I said, patreon.com slash watching the boxes, or you can check us out on Twitter. Tyler, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Tyler P. Watts. You can find me at Watch the Boxes. We appreciate you guys. I hope you had a great holiday. I hope you have a great, even better new year. I hope you have a better 2020. I hope you have a great second third of the fantasy basketball season and we will catch you very soon thanks for listening we appreciate you guys happy new year